she actually wrote to me, asked me, uh, what is felching? <laughs> yeah, it she's sounds so, like... She's so cute. She's like, a year <coughs> older than I am, but she's still so innocent. I, I could have shown her. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Deus Ex Comedian. My name is Ryan Bussell. I'll be your host. I am an American living in Sweden since 2006 and a comic since 2011. On this podcast, I'll be talking to comics who have retired, uh, or they're taking a long break, or they simply quit the grind, and they're happy to perform just a handful of times per year. So what made them slow down or even stop performing altogether? Is there anything about the grind that they miss? Most importantly, without approval from drunk strangers, how instead do they fill that dark hole inside where a soul should be? Let's find out. Wonderful. So, uh, this week I am joined by the most creative person I have ever met. Oh, really? Easily, yeah. Oh, so, thank you. Anders Lien. Thanks for having me. Thanks for hosting me. Oh, yeah. No problem. Glad to have you here. So, you may see this as a good thing or a bad thing, but you actually have a great deal of responsibility for me doing stand-up oh, at all. I'm so sorry. Apologize <laughs> 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 to them. <laughs> uh, but I fell in love with stand-up when I was 11. Right, and then for over twenty years, I would tell anyone and everyone, like, so, "I'm I want to do it someday. I want to try it out someday." And I told talking to a coworker here in Sweden who told me, "Oh, you should," because there's a guy in my class who actually does stand up now. Right, and that was Farsad, Farsad Nori. So you were just eleven when you got molested by stand up for the first <laughs> like time. A, <laughs> right. I was during the, during the uh, comedy boom of the eighties. Oh, on right. cable TV, it was it was everywhere. Yeah, so I just like fell in love with Sam Kinison, even like Andreas Clay, like Rob Williams, just and. Too many more to count. Yeah, because it's everywhere. But then I heard that there was a way to start. Then I had to start. Like I couldn't not look into it. So I looked into it, googled it, and found out found out about Bungie. Ah. And that's how I started. Yeah. So you you the greatest of Bungie comedy, right? Big yeah. fun, good. Yeah. So the good way to start it was fun competition. So now you have to kill me. <laughs> complete complete the cycle. Yeah. So how long, when did you start in comedy? Um, with comedy? Yeah. I was, it was about 91, I was 16, I went to a theater gymnasium and I went with uh, Tobias Passion. Okay. And we became a comedian couple, so mm -hmm. we wrote sketches and performed and did uh, gigs and got paid, so I started really early. That's nice. Yeah. For me. And did you have was it theater theater courses specifically in comedy or was it just more performance? No, no, it was performance. Okay. We did Shakespeare and Chekhov and okay. all, all the classics. Uh, but in our spare time, we wrote sketches and made our own shows at school, and then rented theaters and put on shows. And the comedy scene back as stamp is so relatively new. Yeah, in Sweden, so the, the comedy scene must have been. Yeah, I think eighty nine, eighty eight, eighty nine. The stand up scene started in Sweden. Okay, so. Uh, I mean, Tobias went into stand-up first. He uh, met uh, Thomas Pettersson, and he uh, was sort of mentoring him. But I wanted to try do film school, so I moved to Stockholm and went there. And then I did some live poetry because I wrote poetry also, <laughs> uh, yeah, comedic poetry. Okay. Um, and then there was a stand-up course at uh, Dramatisk Institutet, uh, and I went there for two weeks. To Worst two weeks of my life, <laughs> uh, where I 
because I didn't know about stand-up at all. It was a new format and I didn't know how to do it. We, we didn't know what was funny or not, so it was very wrenching. Uh, but um, yeah, then I started, what, 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 what year? 2005 maybe? I oh, don't know. Quite, a, quite a gap? Yeah. So what, so what drew you to stand-up then? What? What drew you to stand-up then in that? Because when I told people I was a comedian, everyone asked, well, a stand-up comedian? No, no, I do sketch. Uh, so, okay. so, and then I thought, well, why not try stand-up comedy? How, what, how were you doing sketches before then? Because it wasn't like there was YouTube around or... No, you, yeah, you yeah. wrote sketches and performed live for a studio. Oh, for live, a, live, 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 yeah, okay. yeah. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Then I started doing short movies at film school and uh, went for that a bit, but it was too, too boring. <laughs> <laughs> did you find uh, doing stand-up? Did you find that like a different? Was there a different feeling to that than doing sketches in a theater? Oh yeah, because when you do stand-up, you're alone, so so everything is your fault if you fail. <laughs> but if you do good, everything is your. <laughs> your <Okay. laughs> so, so, so so I got the attention I, I needed there. So it's quite different. I mean, sketches, you you have a script that you follow. With stand-up, you can improvise and stuff like that. But I was doing um, children's musical theater at summer, every summer for like seven years. Mm -hmm. uh, and there I got to improvise a lot and, and develop my comic, uh, uh, comic needs. <laughs> <laughs> And what was what was the uh, scene like when you started? Because that, that I moved to Sweden in two thousand six, so I didn't. Start, oh, right. I didn't start performing for another five years before I started performing. Yeah, well, uh, there was were the big names. There were no like um, managers or anything, or a company who who agents at that time. So you just had to try and fight for, and were just a few stages, and you couldn't get to the best stages. So so you had to to. Uh, make your own club so I did we a couple of my friends I went to the dramatic institute with uh, started a club called Comedy Shosken okay yeah where we collapsed uh, Bjornberg uh, was supposed to be there but I took his place I think <laughs> 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 so they kicked him out uh, um, and uh, it was Sinat was there Mikke uh, Resenen so we started a club and, and uh, got to perform. And how, wh how did Bungie come around? Well, I went to the Dramatic Institute with Klaas also. And he had this idea because we were both trying to do comedy and we couldn't get any uh, scene time. And we, um, we felt it was a sort of a, a, a cold environment for newbies because uh, Everyone was so focused on theirs, so there was. So we wanted um, our class. It was his idea with body comedy, and he wanted to do a friendly sort of lubricated uh, way into stand up, mm. where we took care of the rookies and uh, gave them feedback and uh, tried to help them as much as possible. Um, so he rang around to a lot of other people and asked them if they wanted to bandy comedy <laughs> with him and everyone said no except me <laughs> who, who like the fourth person who rang and I said oh yes sure sure and we started working together and developed the the bandy comedy 
and for anyone who doesn't know, uh, so Bungie was, it was a competition. It was meant for people who had never been on stage before, would compete, get three minutes on stage, and then judges would decide. Like some, some people would go straight to a final, others had to go onward to a semifinal, yeah. and then finally there would be one big final, and there would be a, uh, a big winner. Yeah, but the thing was, uh, we had just like a competition, but that wasn't the point of it. It was just a smokescreen to get people to perform. Yeah. Uh, and everyone get to perform at least two times. That was the thing. And that was the thing for me because when I went into it, I didn't care about the contest. I really, I really just wanted yeah. to start, and I thought that was a good way to start, and it was a fantastic way uh, to start. So I'm very grateful for that. Oh, good. The, the one thing that what bummed me out was the first time I was there, and talking to everyone else who's never been on stage before, and everyone's just really nervous and excited. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, I was one of several who did not get picked to go, to go straight to the final. Oh, I'm sorry. But, no, no, but it's, it's okay because is that night. You know the rest of us talking who didn't go to the final, we still had that kind of very same, very jovial, excited like kind of oh we we did it it was our first time but now we've done it yeah we're still in the game we can still go on to the semifinal, uh, it was still a very good environment, and when I came back for the second night, before the show same thing everyone's like very excited we're gonna get this, uh, and then I was one of several who got picked to go on to the final from that from that point on right but once that night was over, the feeling in the room was just no one wanted to talk to each other it was just <laughs> no. like, I, 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 I'm pretty sure that. Everyone who didn't get one to the final from that point on, yeah, I, th I think most of them never performed again. Yeah, I think they were like too focused on the, on the contest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's a good thing. <laughs> that <laughs> okay. There's yeah. no shortage of uh, rookies. Yeah, so. it shouldn't. Be, it should not be easy. It's not supposed to be. Yeah, that was very fun. It was a really good way to yeah, start. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah. But that's that's you. That ended though. Yeah. Some years ago. Yeah, it was too much administration and we sort of got bored with it <laughs> because we tried different venues we were at the hip nightclub when we started uh, it was really 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 cool place uh, and then we went to a smaller venue and then we went to the boulevard theater and after that we thought we can't top this okay so <laughs> but i think Christoph Appelquist Christ made a, a Revival of funny comedy? Yeah, down south. Yeah. South Sweden. Yeah. yeah. At least one season. That was, not, yeah. uh, that was also a while ago. Yeah. yeah. I think the web page, page is still there. Okay. Klaus told me last time I spoke to him, uh, and he's still paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I haven't seen him in a long long time. I saw, I saw Mike uh, Rasnan. Uh, right. That was like probably two years ago. I think it was the last time I saw him. So, yeah. Yeah. So how active were you? Like, so once you got once you got into doing performing yourself, how, how do you mean? Like how like how, how often were you, were you performing? Like First was just the time when we had clubs and at Karl Axel Bjornbergs clubs, <laughs> had new clubs every season in different <laughs> places. After they got to know him, they <laughs> moved moved on. Um, but I'm really grateful for him. He, he just, I mean, he did clubs just. To perform because he couldn't get gigs anywhere else yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because he maybe wasn't so good but he did a lot for stand-up because he made clubs and he had to fill the empty spots yeah. somehow <laughs> so he could perform <laughs> and sing and whatever he did I, I was i was very grateful to him too because of uh, copperfields that started oh right that oh. started i was actually telling someone <laughs> that recently that yeah if, if uh, I, ch I chose this format for this podcast but if i didn't do this format I could have an all Copperfields format oh. just to tell stories from from that place. It was the worst. Yeah, but it was the I love it yeah, like, so yeah, much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the thing about his clubs that were they were so bad 
but it really made you develop as a comedian. Absolutely. Because it was such a tough crowd. If you have been to Collapsed Beyond Club and and, <laughs> and made it, then, then it, it was downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, always, I have a thing too when I was at Hoverfields. So yeah. you know, make someone smile here. <laughs> yeah. I'll get a standing uh, ovation anywhere else. Oh, <laughs> it was so bad. It was so bad, but really good. <laughs> But you pretty, did you do perform, perform it? Uh, oh yeah, a couple yeah. of couple of times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I think when you start a couple of fields, then I started getting paid gigs. So I only did a few free gigs to to test new materials and mm. stuff like that. And there was always a slot there for me. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I remember one night uh, the guy who was he headlining yeah at Garfields uh, sat at the table with other comics, just literally with his head in his hands the the entire night. <laughs> And it was starting went up on stage, and just the first thing he said was to the crowd, "Why are you here? <laughs> Why are you listening to this?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen many. I mean, I, I think Thomas Jav here, when he was at, at Kalaxel's Club, one of the early ones, in 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 a cellar somewhere, uh, the audience was just shit. They just sat there with with, with bored faces. So he started. Saying, this is good stuff. You should laugh about it. <laughs> I've done it before. It works every time. But you, you. <laughs> so it, so it, and after that, they, they laughed. But it was this weird. <laughs> so it was great. Uh, I want to tell you, there's a story about you that I've actually retold or involving you. That I've oh, actually retold wow. many times. Uh, it was, again, this is many years ago. Uh, I got a chance to do a corporate gig in Vesteros. Right. Opening for you. So right. So I was going to do 20 minutes. And I don't know what I was expecting, but it was not at all what I was expecting. <laughs> yeah. Because Vesteros has like this like Stockholm <coughs> complex. Like they want to be Stockholm so, yeah. so badly. Yeah. And the place where I had this restaurant was very, very nice. Yeah, Everyone was like dressed really it. well. <laughs> they were young. It was like, wow. This really... So I was really nervous. I was going to do 20 minutes. And I was really nervous about it. Performed and it went well. I was, I was happy how well it went. And I came, I came off. First, like you, you just told me right away directly, like you said, uh, you asked me if you could offer me some feedback, and I said yes, of course. And you told me that I was had been leaning forward the entire <laughs> yeah. time, like I was ready to run, yeah, <laughs> yeah. the slightest, the slightest chance of a bomb. Yeah, yeah. And I've thought of that many times like, <laughs> since. Like there's been there's been times I've, I've been performing. I just like just constantly think like just to like I roll back my yeah. heels a bit, <laughs> and it's like turning the volume up on the audience. Like you actually, you can actually feel them relax and laugh yeah. more. Yeah. Just by doing that. Yeah. But I told this story many times cause to, to, to rookies, just because one of the things I love about stand up is that there's so much to think about. Yeah. It's, it's not just the material. It's not just the way you say it. It's just, it's just so it's so complicated. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I remember when I started, I. I didn't dare to move my feet, so I had them like glued to the floor, <laughs> and I, al I also was bending forward just to run, you know, fight or flight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, yeah, the audience picked up that straight away. Yeah, so it was a really good. It was a good tip. Yeah, yeah. good, good. <laughs> so, uh, when is the last time you uh, performed then? Stand. About two years ago, two and a half years, maybe. And was that? Did you make a? Did you make a conscious choice to just not perform anymore? Or no, not really. I, well, sort of. It went okay, the gig, but it was during the Me Too movement, <laughs> so, and you felt 
that the audience was a bit, bit more anxious because I like to do politically incorrect material and uh, it always works outside Stockholm uh, uh, but this time they sort of was afraid that I would offend someone in the audience so everyone was just okay. on edge and I thought oh the, the times are changing <laughs> <laughs> but, but also I thought I was quite finished with stand up I mean I've done it for like 15 almost 20 years and um, I've done all the venues I've been on television <laughs> and I, I I made a big tour in Europe in eight countries uh, and I thought well I've done it okay. <laughs> now it's just repetition and uh, yeah, more or less so I thought well art maybe <laughs> So was there something you were getting out of it before that you were not getting out of it yes, now? Yes, I, I didn't get the same nerve on stage because I knew the jokes I had, they, they worked. And so there wasn't this this edge on it anymore. Uh, I, I don't say I, I was too good, so I was, but, but, and then if you want, and I was getting older too, and I couldn't rely on the uh, naughty boy charm. <laughs> <laughs> as much as I could before and um, I started reading more books <laughs> and <laughs> I started to you know get interested in other stuff I mean life is short so I've done comedy I, I teach comedy I, I, I can do comedy now it's time to explore something else with humanity and do you feel you're getting the same kick from other things or maybe oh, yeah. so? oh yeah oh yeah yeah I mean, doing art, I'm sort of a newbie there, even if I've done it for like 20 years. So uh, is, there's so much technique, so much to explore there. And, and I mean, music and growing plants and uh, learning about spices and <laughs> stuff like that and travel the world, meet different cultures. And I don't have this, I mean, I don't care what people think anymore. As I did when I was younger, then you want to get loved or get a reaction sometimes, yeah. and I just don't care anymore. So it must be very freeing. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> was. I mean, I think I think it all started when I I started traveling the world and meet different cultures and stuff like that, and um, explore spirituality in different ways and. Um, And I started reading books. I mean, I, I, well, I think it started with my, my girlfriend for 11 years broke up with me. And then I thought, well, there's something I've missed <laughs> here. <laughs> so I started reading books. I started reading uh, Dawkins about, you know, genes and, uh, and Darwin. And then over that to, to uh, philosophy, I read all the Nietzsche's books. Because when I paint, I can listen to audiobooks. So I, I did like... 15 books a week so wow, I just okay. yeah and then psychology I started reading Freud and then everything with Carl Jung I really love him uh, because he is more about mythology and archetypes and stories and I, I really love that so I get uh, started healing myself <laughs> and understand <laughs> about you know what is this place we are in well it, it's amazing so, so, so I'm hearing this and my my knee thought is doesn't that give you then more things to say? Like, like for like for me, like what you're what you're saying for me, that yeah. would 
inspire me to go to the stage even more. Like, I'll, I'll just have even more things I want to talk about. Well, yeah, but before, you know, you can get annoyed of certain stuff. Now you get, oh, but yes, that's how human human works. <laughs> Humanity <laughs> works. <laughs> that, that, that's, it, it's not so interesting to, to talk about, I think. Well, it, it, but not perform. And I mean, I, I did politically incorrect humor, but suddenly everything started to be politically incorrect. <laughs> and then it was not such fun anymore. And if you if you did done all the taboo topics, where do you go from there? So I sort of got to a dead end there. Hmm. That was interesting to me about the the scene in, in Sweden. That I said is still relatively new compared to other places. Yeah. Uh, one of my earliest bits, the clo- closing bit, that always worked in Sweden. Yeah. Uh, was me essentially telling the you know, telling women in the audience saying like the reason why you can't find like you want to find a nice guy. But the reason you can't is because you have turned all nice guys into assholes. So it's essentially the, the yeah, line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, and it always worked here. Always. Uh, but I noticed when I, I did that, I performed in London, performed in Berlin. I did in Berlin, I literally got booed off the stage. That was that was a fun experience. Oh, really? Yeah. But I realized, but I realized it's because <coughs> kind of like that angry white guy kind of shitting on women. Yeah, uh, is still fairly fairly fresh in Sweden. Oh yeah, but yeah. in other places, like well, we we've heard this, like we we've heard all this already. It's yeah, like it's come, come with something new. Yeah, but it, it's interesting if you, if you look at how the society is developing right now, it's it's sort of going back to tribal a bit. You know, it's it's the the right and the left fighting, and and mm. they use the same rhetoric when fighting and basically the same ideas the far left or right you get it's sort of meat <laughs> with the backs yeah my, my daughter turns uh, 17 this year right which is so mind-boggling <laughs> yeah. but we, we've had as she's gotten older we've had more and more talks about about a million different things gender, yeah. gender politics and yeah. uh, feminism and everything else and i've just really encouraged her because one thing one thing i've seen just in about the world in general right now is yeah. that, like I said, we're very polarized. But I think no matter where you stand on an issue or not, we, we talk about things in very, very black and white terms. Yeah. Like, for example, like uh, when it comes to like taking refugees in Sweden, for example. Taking? Taking in refugees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, in, in Sweden. And then people on the right or SD would say, there's no room. We there's yeah. absolutely no room for them. And then on the left, they'll show a map of Sweden and how open it is. It's yeah. Like, there's plenty of room. Yeah. Yeah, but... <coughs> but there's plenty of room. But I did a bit. I had a bit on stage. Like, what, so what do we do? Do we stand like on the bridge in Amo and say, uh, "Welcome to Sweden." Uh, so start walking north, and when you get about the like, when you get about two hours north of Yatla, yeah, just build a cabin, live off the land. Like, it, it's not enough just because there's space. Yeah, doesn't mean yeah, they can yeah, have yeah. Them. Okay. But they uh, also can't say that there's no room. We can't have, take them either. Yeah, we have, we have to. I'm trying to encourage her to think in, about complex issues in complex ways. Yes. Not just, not just yes, but but to be able to do that, you have to think in black and white terms first, and then you can make a gray zone of it. I, I mean, this paradigm shift we are in now—it's like the society is mostly made up of young people <laughs> with young people's minds, and when you grow older, you get more complex. But when you're younger, you have to think in black and white terminology. Uh, yeah. before you can make a gray zone out of it because you have to put up some rules we do that and we don't do that and you know very very simple and then from that you, we can flourish and, and 
make a big grayscale and add some colors even. <laughs> but first you have to do black and white. I don't I think it is a good thing. Uh, not, not to stay in that way of thinking. No, no, no. But you have to go through it. It's, it's a part of the psyche's development. So I enjoy watching Facebook whenever there's the scandal to see. Oh, it's the same people going saying that. Oh, yeah, it's very predictable. But but when they start to develop, they will see that life is more complicated than just, you know, <laughs> the, the rich people are bad and the poor people are good. No, not really. Not necessarily. <laughs> Everything has a good side and a bad side. Everything. As a comic, though, isn't it more fun to throw firebombs into a room when they're less open to it? Oh, but in other words, like if you, so you have material that's, that's politically incorrect. Yeah, but they're, they're, can be, can be offensive and, tr- and triggering. Yeah, like you say, like you, it became less fun for you to do that as the crowd got more sensitive to it or, or more more anti it. But doesn't that almost make it more fun to, to take that kind of harsh? No, not not really. I mean, I, I want people to laugh, and and if you do politically incorrect humor, if you if you if then you and the audience have to be on the same page, so they have to know that. If I'm not a racist and you're not a racist, we can joke about racist stuff. But if if I go to South of Sweden and perform and do talk about immigrants or jokes about stereotypes, the laughter is a bit different. Uh, and I, I skipped part of my, my teri- material when the audience was more extreme right leaning. Okay. Because it was the wrong kind of laugh. You laugh because it's inappropriate, but uh, not, not that they agree with you. Do you understand? Yeah. Uh, so, so the audience have to know th- that he's a good guy, but what he's saying is outrageous. We ha- we know we, we're on the same page, but if you don't get that connection with an audience that are are too into identity. Then, then it's more difficult to joke about politically incorrect stuff because they can suspect me of, oh, he means that. Maybe he has sex with his mother. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know. Do you? Uh, not anymore. She's dead. <laughs> so. okay, okay, okay. <laughs> but that doesn't stop me. <laughs> yeah. No, I would, just, I would just think that there might be some challenge in that for you then. Uh, yeah, but the then, then you have to explain the rules before you start doing comedy and then the joke dies so so no I, I don't you, you can do it probably but it's when people are more political then when people are more anxious they have a hard time to laugh about politically incorrect stuff okay yeah, for me from my point of view because there's always that conversation about uh, is, is PC bad for comedy like there, there, there are comics famous ones like Chris Rock or Seinfeld they, yeah. they won't perform in colleges anymore because they're they're too sensitive yeah and from my point of view I actually think PC is is good because I think it makes us work harder because I, I think because I, I think you I really think you can joke about anything I think nothing nothing's taboo yeah you can joke about anything <clears throat> but the tougher the subject the better the joke has to be like before it would be enough just to say shocking things that was enough yeah and now the audience is like desensitized that yeah, you can't just say shocking things. They actually have to be like better written, yeah. smart material. Yeah, yeah, sure. 
you that's a point in that absolutely yeah. but i mean politically correct should involve politics and not ordinary people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but i mean if people are uncertain who is friend or foe then they have a hard harder time to laugh because they try to identify is this a person that are good or bad and that that's the black and white uh, thinking mm. and that's not good for comedy because you have to have nuances you have to have taboo to break them i think there should be some responsibility responsibility on the audience also to know what they're there for to know what they're in for yeah but i mean whenever they it's leaning too much to politically uh, correct then there always a backlash everything is tried to universe the universe doesn't try to even things out is try to in the most efficient way keep things going keep movement mm. keep it it, it 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 spinning so so right now i think the society try to set up the new rules the old old paradigm is about to fall it's like all the grown-ups are taking two steps back and say right now you deal with it <laughs> and uh, see what happens if you try that we tried that before but you have to try to learn so i think that's what's happening right now um i mean i have so much problem with with buses that are a bit too young for their responsibility <laughs> and they <laughs> try to and they try to yeah we try to figure things out and i think every new generation has to try to figure things out and that's with, with males and females they'll try to figure things out what is how we're gonna share the burden of, of life <laughs> <laughs> and every new generation have to go through that so i think it's it's natural what's happening in society even if it's a bit chaotic right now but it's okay yeah speaking of that swing i'm really surprised like in, in the states there are there's not many people in in Hollywood or comics that are on the right or right right wing. Right. But there are a few, and a few comics actually kind of made good money for themselves by being like the right wing comic. Ah, uh -huh. ah. Uh -huh. But no one's done it in Sweden yet. There's like there's no, like every like every comic you'll see on stage in Stockholm is all gonna make fun of the Swedish Democrats. Yeah. But there's no comic for them. Yeah. That for me that's like it's like a golden opportunity to make to make. Uh, why isn't anyone doing that? Maybe because it's such an infected. Uh, topic right now well they're only getting stronger so <laughs> <laughs> yes because <laughs> yeah they do so maybe not if it's an opportunity for you if you, if you decide after the <laughs> podcast that you want to be the sd comic then <laughs> maybe you can no. throw me a little founders fee no uh, yeah yeah it is a bit disturbing that sd have gotten so many votes but it's understandable how we do politics nowadays I mean for me life right now is just too weird to take serious I mean I mean Donald Trump I I can't I can't understand it how I mean it's like the 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 weird uncle <laughs> that, that just can't keep his mouth shut it's and he's using the the president of one of the biggest countries in the world and then in the other side we have putin who is a classic homosexual <laughs> the picture of him with bare chest riding on a horse i mean it's 
It's so gay. What do you mean? That is the straightest thing oh, I've yeah, ever uh, seen. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, <laughs> if you look at it from that point of view, it's just funny. And I, I just look at the world and laugh and smile and think it's, it's fine. I don't mind staying here for a while in Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, and I learn a lot from it. I mean, all this, the stereotypes and the archetypes you grew up with, I suddenly try come together and try to teach us stuff. So I, I, I really believe that this old world is a sort of some sort of school, and uh, that that's the only only thing that makes it worthwhile. I think. Because, and I, I mean, when we grew up, we talked about this earlier, that we gone from uh, analog technology to digital. We got internet exactly the right time not to, you know, get lured up by pedophiles. <laughs> 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 I mean, if I had internet as a kid, oh God, I, I would be such a victim. <laughs> Do you want to come and try drugs? And uh, yeah, um, yeah, sure, sure, <laughs> sure. I have porn. Do you want to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or or candy. I mean, I've been. I would have been such a such a victim if if internet was around when I was a kid. I went, I went to a parent teacher meeting uh, at my daughter's school a couple of years ago, and uh, the person from the local uh, police was there. Yeah, giving a presentation and explained to all the parents about Instagram. Yeah, and said uh, there there actually are accounts on Instagram your kids might follow. And these accounts will actually arrange home delivery of alcohol and drugs. And wow. I was there thinking, "What? That's fascinating." Could you maybe, just for <laughs> curiosity's sake, what what accounts are we talking about? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if if I think back on my life, um, everything has I've gotten everything at exactly the right age for me to handle it. I mean. When, when I was a young theater kid wanting to, to, to be seen, if social media has been there, YouTube, I, I, I would have been such, so, such an addict. I mean, it, we got social media when we were about 30. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect time. That's a good point. Yeah. yeah. My, 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 uh, my parents being on Facebook, like my father, he wrote in all caps. Yeah. For years, because you're just going to be bothered to type lower, lowercase. Yeah. All. So, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember when, when I was a kid, like when I was very young, uh, play, playing the original Atari. Yeah. A stick and one button. Yeah. And that was more than my parents could handle. Yeah, or, yeah. Or like saying that, that like set the time, the clock on the VCR. Yeah. That was also too complicated for them to handle, so like I had to do it. Yeah. But I remember thinking even then. Yeah. Like I wonder... But it'll be like wonder will will be around when I'm older. That'll be like just as easy for my kids. Yeah. As this is for me now, and I'll be the opposite. That happened a long time ago. That happened a very long time. Now, now controllers have a million buttons. Yeah. Yeah. I had uh, actually a friend of mine was a, a, a teacher, and even before before like iPhones, when it was just like texting on the on the on the. Buttons, oh yeah, yeah. She said like she'd be sitting in front of class and she'd be looking out over the class and she would see all the kids just like. Twitching <laughs> because they had their phones in their pockets and they were actually <coughs> texting each other without even looking at the yeah. screens. They just like figuring out the buttons, just twitching. That's more than I can handle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, my girlfriend is is uh, twelve years younger than me, and she can text with her thumbs, and I just find it so amazing <laughs> because I can't do that. I'm still the, you know. I actually read that. I forget the age was. 
this is years ago now, but I think it was like age, like if you were, if you were uh, like 35 or older at, at the time. Yeah. You had to do that. You were, you were texting with your finger. Yeah. But before that, texting your thumb. Like it was actually, it was actually saying this has affected evolution. Oh, right, yeah. right. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't wait what's going to happen next in the world. <laughs> I mean, this pandemic, it's just amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, how people, I mean, when the, when everyone get the vaccine, when, when the pandemic is over, I mean, people are going to go out on raves and they're going to fuck everything <laughs> and it's just going to be a big orgy. Yeah, people are saying it's the roaring, the uh, roaring 20s. Yeah. All over again. And I think that's, that's part of the big plan. <laughs> uh, it's been interesting, the uh, pandemic has been interesting to me. Because I'm living like just happy living in one like the one country that's like shown in in Western media as like oh my god how can Sweden take this like approach to yeah not not lockdowns it's it's crazy yeah I, I was in this, uh, I was in the US last summer and there it's, it's mask all the time you go to the grocery stores and they're, it, the aisles are actually one way ah right so if you see something that's right there you need to walk all the way to one side of the building to the other to get to get that one yeah. thing. Uh, but there's there's definitely a feeling. I was in New Jersey. There's definitely a feeling though, like you have to wear a mask. Yeah. But my uncle, when he heard about the kind of Swedish approach, that no one was wearing masks or doing anything, and he was just like, "But don't they don't they care about each other?" <laughs> and I just explained. I said, "Well, it's not it's not that Swedes don't care about each other. It's just they they don't think anyone is supposed to care about them." Yeah. Yeah. As I said before, it's like all the grown ups taking two steps back. Like, see how the kids handle it. Let's see how they do. <laughs> I mean, we're out in the woods now, trying to get home. <laughs> Did you get corona yet? No, 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 not me either. I've been, I've been told that I'm not cool. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I've been, I've been commuting. I don't know if I got it. I mean, the symptoms. You, for some people, they don't show at all, and for some, they they die. I, I mean, there's just so much information there, and it's a jungle to try to, try to make sense of it all. Yeah, my father got it. Uh, my similar got it first. And like, and she was really sick. Yeah. So when she got tested and found that she had it, then he went to get tested to see if he had it, and the test came back, yeah, you have it. But he had, he showed, never had right. the slightest symptom. Right. Which is, I guess, that's the that's the best way to get it, to get it, yeah, and suffer, but then get the antibodies. Yeah. I've started wearing masks now, but I didn't before, um, because no one else did. But then, it's more like, like respect for the old old people <laughs> yeah <laughs> because if you, if you uh, happens to cough on the tube today everyone <gasps> <laughs> you know move seats or and you see those those bit neurotic people <laughs> because they have a mask on and you see those big <laughs> scared eyes <laughs> just <laughs> looking around trying to, to spot danger Th those are the ones who, who move right away if you <laughs> If you touch your nose yeah. or something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think earlier you mentioned, uh, so my wife, Ava. Yeah. This is my first time in your place. Right. It's a very nice place. Thank uh, you. I mentioned that my, my wife was here at some point. Yes. And I believe she was here. She did a gig with you and... Uh, a gig. A gig, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it was some road trip. I was, she was with you and she was with... Uh, who else was there? Maybe Thomas Arbaden. All right. Uh, and someone else. Okay, long story short, uh, you all had a conversation in the car about different things, uh, but she actually wrote me to ask me 
what is felching? <laughs> yeah, it she's sounds so, like she's so cute. She's like a year <coughs> older than I am, but she's still so innocent. I, I could have shown her. She, she just <laughs> <laughs> I don't think she's went to my, my place after that. I think it was <laughs> my birthday, but you couldn't come apparently. Okay. Yeah. I'll check with her. Mm. Do so. <laughs> 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 Hmm. This is nice. This is, appreciate you having me here. Yeah. And I, I, and I like to end each, each episode with uh, an exchange of war stories. Because right. it's the one thing, I'm, I'm not performing very much at all. Uh, not really out on the scene at all. And I, I do really miss the comedy hang. Because yeah. everyone always has the war stories to, to share. Yeah. So I, I asked you if you had anything in mind that you wanted to share. I have a story I want to tell you. If you want me to go first, or you can go first. Go, go first. You go first. Okay. Well, the story I want to tell was... Uh, my first time I was performing in Malmo, so right. down the south of Sweden. So I just went on my own. I actually took my wife and my daughter for long for the ride, but made a weekend of it. Uh, so I paid for the whole thing myself. Uh, but I performed uh, two clubs uh, on two different nights. And the first club I performed at, the club owner had warned me in advance, uh, no dirty, nothing dirty. You can't do any dirty material. Right. And I said, like, okay. Because I think it's, it's, it's his house. Like, I'm not going to follow his rules. Yeah. So I went and I did my side. Did a very very safe, clean like a I'm an American in Sweden. Boy, Swedes are crazy. Uh, <laughs> set, and it went well. I was I was happy with it, but I know it's like all the club owner wasn't there that night, and all the other comics all had sex jokes. They all do dirty jokes. Right. And at first I thought that's because the owner wasn't there. Like yeah. I'm get away with it. Then I talked to him afterwards, and they said they said no, uh, he misunderstood. Like he meant that the night before they had the club the month before. There was a comic who was on stage that for 10 minutes straight th talked about nothing but shit, like literally shit. Right. And it was a restaurant while people were eating. And wow. the restaurant owner was pissed off. Yeah. So he meant like no shit jokes. Yeah. But I could have done sex jokes. Like, oh, okay, well, that's understood. But I thought, okay, the second night then, I was given no rules for that night. So then I'll do my yeah. regular thing. <clears throat> so then I went to that night and it was Bokkan. My, yeah. my first time there, went in, uh, it was very, very posh, it was on the waterfront. Uh, it's a big room, uh, very very well lit, and the average age was quite high as well. Like there were, like there were families with their adult children. Yeah, were there. Yeah, right. <clears throat> so I, I, I took one look at the room and thought, okay, well, I can't do my what I had in mind here. I need to do another safe set. Again. Yeah. So I, I so I did that, and it went well, but I was when I was done, I just walked out. And I was just miserable. But you headlined that night. Really? Yeah. So when I when I stepped off stage, I met you immediately, and you you saw like you could see on me that I was like dis like I was like disappointed, not feeling very good about it. And you told me like, directly, you gave me a comment on the set, and you you told me that I had adapted to the room. And then I said to you, the most prideful thing I have ever said in my my life, and I had no irony when I said this. I said, I'm not here for them; they're here for me. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> And this is like four years into my career. My career. The thing is though, that you went on stage at night, and I knew you were stressed because you were. I think you were going to catch a train that night, so you were you were like in a real hurry. Oh right, to, yeah. To leave. But you took the stage and you like just did your thing, like you didn't censor yourself at all, uh, and just kind of like bowled over everyone, and you really split the room like down the middle. Like, like I could see like half the room just didn't like <laughs> yeah. it at all, but the other half was dying laughing. I actually saw like I never heard this. I saw I saw a guy. Like literally, like, push himself back from the table, and put his like head between his knees, like he was laughing that hard, like he was just like, exhausted, laughing. 
And when you're done, they talked to the club owner and the restaurant owner was there and they were all really happy with their set. They were like really thrilled with you. And uh, am- ambition is one thing I talk about on the podcast a lot because I've never really had much ambition when it comes to stand-up. Right. But that is, to be at that kind of level where, where you were then, to, to like just be able to just do your thing and not worry about the room, not, not worry about anything else, just do your thing and be celebrated for it, like that's the level that I would very much aspire to be. That's where I'd like to be. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah, but I do adapt to the room. I I, I do. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I do them sensory material. I try to make them follow me. That's the thing. Oh, I, I remember talking to you about that but this night and you had actually said like if you weren't if like if you weren't in a hurry to leave, you probably you probably would have maybe toned it down or adapted more, but you were like kinda of watching the clock. <laughs> it's right. like so, let me get through this real fast. <laughs> oh well. So that's a story I want to tell you. Oh nice, nice, nice. I, I haven't got a story about you, but That's okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna tell you about one of my worst gigs. I don't think I ever told anyone this before. Okay. Um, it was pretty late in my career, so I, I knew I was good, but I was poor. I, I needed really needed the money, and there was um, this outspoken feminist uh, comedian that I that I knew uh, that said, I, "I might have a gig for you." It's a hen party, uh, and and so a bachelorette party. If anyone yeah, yeah, know. right. But no uh, hippa. <laughs> 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 uh, so they're just gonna be ladies there. Uh, it's in their apartment, right there. The warning bell. No, no, don't take this gig. <laughs> not not a home, uh, an apartment gig. No, no. And have this funny idea. Uh, why don't you come there dressed as a stripper? And tell them you're gonna strip, <laughs> and then you say you say now it's comedy and no striptease. <laughs> and I thought I actually when I was about seventeen to nineteen I worked as a male stripper at really <laughs> artist. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, I was really young. If I was a girl, <laughs> then it would be it would be a traumatic story. But now I'm a I'm a boy. All oh, right, I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Actually, I did. I had a uniform, and you know, they put twenties in my thong. And, <laughs> and wow, yeah. Well, anyway, so did you dust the, dust it off for this gig? For this gig? What the uniform you had when you were seventeen? Yes, I, I had this the same uniform. Um, so I thought, well, you should never, never, ever, ever, ever go there and pretend to be something else at a gig. I mean, lots of corporate gigs or something. Can't you be? One of the birthday guests, and then you'd suddenly you st- go and do stand up. Uh, everyone has a yeah, what a fun surprise! Oh, it's oh yeah, never no, fun. no, 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 it, it, it's fun. never gonna work. But you know, five hundred kroner is five hundred kroner. So I said, okay, well, yeah, but oh, w- wouldn't they be disappointed? With that? No, they're, they're they're all really feminist, and they hate strippers and they hate old stuff and they were going to be really embarrassed if you come there doing that and i thought well then okay it was before i i, <laughs> I knew about women and and the new wave feminists <laughs> what <laughs> what they're really about <laughs> no, no no but you know some feminists and so i went there in the apartment went all the way there in my uniform <laughs> sat in the tube <laughs> and i came there and uh Right, and they let me in, and, and I said, "Right, I'm the the male stripper." And I saw this chubby girl in the corner <laughs> with wig, 
colored hair and nose ring took up her webcam <laughs> her cam and were filming it and i thought these these women aren't shocked at all actually they looked quite <laughs> into it <laughs> and i thought what kind of equality is this <laughs> so i thought i i i have to i have to up my game so i said well and after a strip each and one of you get 10 minutes with me in the bedroom and uh, uh, we don't have to have sex we can just talk or something anything you like and i thought that would shock them no <laughs> they just they just sat there and i saw some of them especially the girl with the camcorder she was planning her 10 minutes she was really <laughs> so i and then i said well no i'm a comedian and now i'm gonna do some jokes for you and the sigh of disappointment and then they were looking at the watch when I did it. And I I did in, in super speed 10 minutes of stand-up. That was supposed to be 20 minutes. <laughs> and said, thank you. Hope you have a nice party. <laughs> and the girl with the camcorder just glared at me. <laughs> and now I went out and got my 500 kroners and sat all the way home on the tube <laughs> looking at it. And it. It's food for two weeks. It's food for two weeks. So that was an experience. The person who arranged it was not there? Um, no. <laughs> Even better. Yeah. But you, you're here to learn in this school of life. <laughs> and I, I really learned a lesson there about <laughs> about women. <laughs> was that your final gig? No, it was <laughs> not <laughs> my final gig. <laughs> That's good. So leave that bad taste in your mouth. Yeah, no. I done lots of strip girls after that. <laughs> Well, thank you very much. Thank you for very having much. me. Anything you. you want to plug? Uh, no, not really. Okay. No. Follow me on social media. Find me. Look up my, my name and <laughs> maybe I'll add you. I don't know. <laughs> That's the one like refreshing thing and talking to most people I talk to who are not doing anything right now. Right. Do you have anything plug? No. No. Okay, no that's great. That's, that's nice. That's good. Yeah, yeah. I'm painting. I'm going to do an exhibition this year maybe uh, with icons. Um, first time I'm painting on, on canvases, so there will be things to sell. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll see. Follow me on social medias and, and I'll say when it is. If it is. I don't know. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks.